Greater Santon and beyond. Get ready for the Santon Times Hour with your host, Alexander. You're too kind. It's the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM and is always available as a podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. My name's Alexander Leibner. This is edition 74, week 27, and it is July 2022. Wow. On the back six of another year. If you want to get in touch, email editor at santantimes.ca.za. If you want to connect on social media, follow at santantimes. And you can also check out the website, www.santantimes.co.za. And we've also got a Telegram channel now as well. So if you're on Telegram, go check out Times on Telegram. As always, you can send your questions or comments and be part of this conversation. Thank you for making the time to listen and show your support on social media, especially you. Yes, you. Ikaram, Izzy, Susan, Trish, Franco, Colleen, Francois, and Marlon. I've noted all of your thumbs up on the Mix 93.8 FM Facebook page. Is all well in Santon land is the question. It's still unbelievably cold. I know we keep talking about this, but gee, I mean, it's really, <laughs> I think I'm sitting here with a hot water bottle and trying to keep the place warm. It's just, I don't know, this winter just feels colder than the ones we've had in the past. But I suppose that's all compounded by a potpourri of load shedding, a real potpourri. Is it stage two? Is it stage four? Is it stage six? Are we going up to stage eight? Are we coming back to stage two? I mean, it really has become an academic exercise trying to keep track of what stage of load shedding we're on. Anyway, uh, whichever one we're on, I hope you're listening. I hope you've managed to tune in. And uh, if you're not, well, maybe you've downloaded this at a later stage and are listening to this in your own time when there is power. What an interesting week it's been. I've been busy. I've been doing some social media consulting with business owners who are under immense pressure. I mean, the price of diesel generators is just unbelievable. Businesses out there spending absolute fortunes on keeping diesel generators topped up, working, and just trying to stay in business. And I really, I do salute you. It's really the hardest of times having to come out of COVID into winter and now having to deal with stages of load shedding and topping up diesel generators at a ridiculous cost. I mean, at record prices for fuel, for diesel. Just trying to help some business owners out there with their social media, get feet through the door, try and keep business going. The hustle is real, let me tell you. Back behind the mixing desk is our man from Bologna, Italy. Hey, Vincenzo, ciao. Good to have you. Really need to get you a, a microphone. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, it's difficult to communicate. Uh, Vincenzo says we are complaining too much about the cold as South Africans. It's much cold in Italy. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, he's in the production booth. Sorry, what? Oh, yeah. No, nobody nobody told him that the power would be off every day. Yeah, well, we didn't sign up for this either way. So don't worry. Yeah, a little bit of Italian in the Santon Times Hour. Not too uncommon in Santon. I mean, there's so much stuff that has Italian names in Santon. I mean, <laughs> just have a look around. We have a Leonardo, we have a Raphael, Da Vinci. So why not an Italian sound engineer doing an internship? What is it? Job shadowing or something like that, an exchange program. Well, happy 4th of July if you're American. I know today you are celebrating Independence Day. So uh, a big shout out to our American listeners, wherever you are in the world. And a very happy special birthday to my dad. 88 years today. 88 years. 
unbelievable. I'm wishing him all the best. Strength, health, happiness. Those are the things that are important at 88. The whole family loves you very much. And you are such a champion. And it's great to have you around. And we celebrated his birthday this weekend already. And I hope and wish for many more. Coming up on this week's episode, we've spoken to him previously on the show, but he's back to bring us the latest on what's happening in the world of cryptocurrency. And oh boy, is that an interesting world at the moment. Then I'll be sharing some more travel notes with you during the hour. Next, there's a school that's opened in Greater Santon that's gearing up for the future, even boasting its own eSport arena. Stay tuned to find out more. And finally, he's a former Sharks player and 2019 Rugby World Cup winner. Now he's expanding his business interests into wine production. All of this and more coming up. Your headlines for the week are coming up shortly, but let's get the show started properly with some Coldplay. Maestro! Online. On air. Anywhere. Anytime. This is the Santon Times Hour. That's right. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM with Adventure of a Lifetime. The sounds of Coldplay warming us up as we kick off another week and another month. Time to take a look at your headlines for this week. Yeah, what's going on with South Road in Santon? Well, South Road in Santon, leading from the engine garage on Rivonia, down past the Rivers Church and Morning View Shopping Centre, onwards to Marlborough, has been undergoing resurfacing by the Johannesburg Roads Agency. Feels a little bit going like on a safari or like a game drive if you go down that road unexpectedly. Well, many motorists have been caught off guard by this JRA resurfacing project on South Road in Santon, which has seen the public road turn into a rugged strip most would want to avoid. And the week-long resurfacing project was scheduled to be completed by July 1. Well, between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., those wishing to drive on South Road will have incurred added delays due to heavy construction vehicle activity on the road. And that's to complete the resurfacing project. Because people have got to know. And now you know. Then street vendors helping out motorists. I don't know if you've seen this. I've certainly seen this a lot. And a lot when I say I've seen it in four ways. I've seen it at the pick and pay on nickel, particularly during load shedding. Uh, Street vendors and the like have swapped window cleaning, soft drink sales and beer crate performances for yellow bibs to direct the traffic. I mean, this is what it's come to now. I'm telling you. And whilst motorists seem abandoned and left on their own by the public service, which we have paid for uh, with our tax money, just as a footnote, uh, these street vendors have managed to create some order at traffic lights that generally would be somewhat chaotic. And well done. I mean, some real self-initiative. Talking about citizens helping out citizens. Uh, I wonder, where, where, where are the authorities when uh, they should be doing these things? We are not in a crisis. We are only in some difficulties. Unbelievable. Then, cybercrime scam artist has been arrested in Santon. A cybercrime kingpin living his best life in Santon. His best life! Well, he's been arrested by Interpol, having allegedly taken 196 million rond in a romance scam and business email compromise fraud. So supposedly, he had shared his lavish lifestyle on Instagram, but it became hashtag awkward when Interpol arrived at his doorstep, who had been working on arresting him for six years. 
along with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security Investigations and the U.S. Secret Service. Well, he's expected to appear in the Randberg Magistrates Court this week, and the plan is to extradite him to the United States to stand trial there. Those are your headlines for this week. Next up, it's time to catch up on a little cryptocurrency news with Revex CEO Sean Sanders. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. Santon to the rest of the world. This is the Santon Times Hour. So one of the financial markets we haven't uh, checked in with in a while is cryptocurrency, and it still remains a very hot topic, maybe of late more so because of the massive volatility that we've seen. And I think uh, last time I checked, uh, the Bitcoin sort of leveled out at about $20,000, give or take. But I mean, you know, anything changes uh, over hours or, or days. So I thought it would be a good idea to get uh, Sean Sanders in. He's the CEO of Revix. And Sean, it's great to catch up with you again after quite some time. Yeah, it's great to catch up with you as well. Uh, it has been a wild time in the world of crypto. I mean, the market's come down from a $3 trillion total market cap down to $1 trillion today. And as you said, Bitcoin hovering around the $20,000 level, Ethereum $1,100. So yeah, I guess, you know, if you are bargain hunting, maybe this is the time, but I wouldn't quite go out and say that just yet. I mean, there's been a lot of volatility in the market. I'm not sure if we're at the end of this down cycle. And I mean, talking about all assets, not just crypto, I'm talking about stocks, bonds, real estate, you name it. Yeah, this has been a, a pretty intense 2022 so far. Yeah, that's a good word, intense. Well, Sean, I think before we start unpacking all of this, uh, I'd love to give people a bit of context. I mean, we've spoken quite often on this show, uh, but a lot of people, especially on the, the Mix 93.8 FM side, might not be familiar with yourself or Revix. So I think if you can give us a quick rundown of, of what is Revix and what does Revix do? Yeah, sure. So Revix was founded about four and a half years ago. Uh, we were backed by a JSE-listed company called Subvest. Uh, we are essentially an index provider, an index product provider in the crypto space. So if you want to go about buying, let's say the JSC top 40 equivalent, but for the crypto space, uh, we've got a top 10 bundle, which does exactly that. So you get exposure to the top 10 largest cryptocurrencies. They provide exposure to about, give or take 75% of the crypto market. And then we've got a variety of other bundles that give you exposure to sectors within the crypto space. So there's a sector that's called DeFi. There's another sector called smart contracts. And we've got these diversified investment products that are essentially just really easy ways to get exposure to the crypto space. Um, and yeah, I guess what we're trying to do, which is slightly different to a lot of the other players in the space, I mean, you can come along to our platform and you can buy into Bitcoin or Ethereum or a whole bunch of other single cryptocurrencies. But what we're saying is that this is a really volatile asset class. This is the, high, the highest risk investment class out there. Our approach is to say diversify within this asset class more than any other asset class. Uh, so that's what our bundles essentially do. Yeah, I mean, you come from a traditional investment background or from the finance world before you stepped into this space. And essentially what you've done with Revix, uh, from, from where I'm sitting, is you've kind of tried to even out the risk or try to mitigate the risk by having these sort of almost like funds where you've got multiple different currencies that you're investing in. So you're not on the roller coaster with one particular cryptocurrency. You're on a roller coaster with a couple of them, and one of them might be going down, one of them might be going up, one of them might be sticking around. So it kind of eases the bumps a little bit in the road, a bit like clear air turbulence on a plane. But exactly it, it's not completely it's not completely uh, risk-free. Um, uh, it's, it's also not... Um, 
you know, past performance doesn't determine future results, as they always say. But uh, in terms of uh, currencies, I mean, I know you had one of those currencies, not not by your making, but I mean, it, it just literally fell off the map. Yeah, so that was Luna. Yeah. And that was actually the biggest debacle in the crypto space ever. I mean, there's never been a collapse actually larger than it. That was crazy. Um, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the sort of broader public that aren't in the crypto space don't know about this. But I mean, you're talking about you know, a collapse here of $50 billion. I mean, that's how much value was lost in the space of three days, believe it or not. Mad. I've never in my life, even seeing Ponzi schemes out there, um, I've never seen something unravel quite as quickly as Luna did. So day one, uh, this is now, I think about two months ago, the token dropped 99% in one day. Day two, it dropped another 99%. Day three, it dropped another 99%. It was just something that I've like never seen in my life. Mm. I still sit here today and kind of get goosebumps in the worst way possible thinking about this because I mean it was a turbulent time at Revix as well. Um, the whole entire market was in flux. I mean, fortunately, you know, other than offering the token on our platform, which you know my heart goes out to a lot of the customers that actually bought into it, and uh, you know this was a token that was offered across multiple different platforms. Um, it was a top ten cryptocurrency. It actually got to the fifth largest cryptocurrency at one point in time, um, and then essentially what had happened is Luna was a cryptocurrency that backed another cryptocurrency called UST. Mm. And UST was meant to be a stable coin. So it was actually meant to be where one token is equivalent to $1. But that $1 wasn't backed by $1 sitting in a savings account or a bank account, but rather $1 worth of this Luna token. Now you can imagine if Luna, the token, and the total market cap of that particular cryptocurrency declines by 99%, all of a sudden, that $1 of UST isn't worth $1. And that's essentially what happened. That peg broke, and it was just something quite spectacular in the worst way possible. Gee whiz. Yeah, I mean, it was quite something when I saw the some of the emails coming through and some of the reports coming through. But now, having said that, does that now not put concern on a lot of the, the other coins? Or, or do you have to treat them, or do you want to treat them differently in terms of where Bitcoin is at and Ethereum and, and, and really the, the big boys in the, you know, in the park? So interestingly, the fundamentals of the crypto space, I'm, I'm going to kind of look at the crypto space without the players of the crypto space included in that. So the fundamentals are actually really good. You've got more developers entering the crypto space quarter on quarter. You've got more applications being built on different blockchains than ever before. Uh, you've got more blockchain activity. So that's the real blockchain activity, not just trading uh, that's happening than ever before. So that's all really positive. So the fundamentals are actually pretty strong. What has happened, though, is that you've had a variety of different players that have over leveraged themselves. Uh, so this includes the likes of three anchor capital Celsius. Celsius is a big US, uh, essentially crypto lender that's recently become insolvent. Um, and there's been you know, Babel Finance, a whole bunch of these different players that seem to be sort of interconnected. It's almost like the 2008 financial crisis that happened in the States where you had all these big financial players that were interconnected and had loans with one another. And that's what seems to have happened. So that's landed up bringing down the crypto market. And that was all sort of triggered by that Luna UST collapse. So that sort of was the first domino that fell and all these other dominoes have fallen since then. But I do think looking out over the long term, and this is the silver lining I think in all of this, is that you do have cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, like Polkadot, like Cardano. I mean, I can go through a list 
of you know the 10 largest which we obviously are you know big proponents of you know are all of those going to become massive successes probably not but there will be one or two or three that do land up actually making a big dent in the world and essentially that's our approach with our crypto bundles right we're trying to say well you don't need to guess which one will be the success story you can actually own a basket and then one of those will end up becoming a success story over the long term well sean you've always been a a, a big supporter and a big advocate for cryptocurrencies and i'd be interested to hear if you've had any theories or models you know, or projections proven or disproven over the last couple of months as, as the market's been so incredibly volatile? The crypto market, it's kind of like a startup, I think, as well. It humbles you. Um, <laughs> on a sort of daily basis, you, you get proven wrong and right. Yeah. So I think one of the big things that, and I mean, this story isn't really over yet, but I really believed that Bitcoin would act more like gold. It would act more like an inflation hedge during this inflationary period. And it seems that Bitcoin has just acted a lot more, and I'm looking specifically at Bitcoin here, but it's acted a lot more sort of like a like a tech stock and it's sold off with the broader market. Now, inflation is not over. Like we are still going to be living through an inflationary period for the next good six, seven, eight, nine months plus. Um, so there is an opportunity for Bitcoin to come back. And, you know, people don't remember assets during cycles they remember them after the cycle so if bitcoin does land up coming back it can still be seen as an inflationary hedge but that's been one sort of theory that i've had that's been disproven and i think the other side of this as well is that i really thought there would be uh, more competition going for ethereum um so you have had the likes of solana you've had polkadot you've had i mean cardano etc cetera, etc cetera. these are cryptocurrencies are essentially looking at becoming blockchain application layers. So you can build applications on top of them, sort of like your iOS or Android operating system on your phone. And Ethereum's dominance just seems to be maintaining. So I'm kind of looking at that as well now going, okay, I thought that Ethereum would be taken out over you know, a shorter period of time. And it seems like, no, Ethereum's actually got some sticking power. Well, it's certainly a, a, something we're going to be keeping an eye on, Sean. And I always feel like you know we, we never have enough time to actually go through all of this, but it's almost like a never-ending story uh, in terms of how far and how deep we go when we talk cryptocurrency. But Sean Sanders, CEO of Revix, uh, thanks for making the time to chat. And uh, I think we definitely need to chat again, if not on a monthly basis, but certainly on a quarterly basis to keep an eye on the cryptocurrency space and see where it goes as we uh, lead up to December. Brilliant. Alex, thanks so much. Well, we're at the bottom of the hour, and we're going to be right back after this. Back for more? The Santon Times Hour continues. That's it. The Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM and Clang Carousel with Home. And I hope you're at home or on your way home. And may there be light. That's all I wish for. May there be light. I'm Alexander Leipner, if you've just switched in, and I'm taking us into the second half of the Santon Times Hour. As always, if there's anything that caught your attention during the show, but you didn't manage to grab all the details, be sure to visit the show notes on www.santontimes.ca for a detailed breakdown of everything discussed on this show. Also, be sure to check out the social media accounts at Santon Times, and feel free to comment and connect you can also use hashtag Santon Times Hour if you want to on social media to, uh, yeah, share some ideas, share some thoughts. Always great to hear from you. Well, let's get into my uh, travel notes. Well, there we go. Uh, this week, we're going to have a look at uh, two lodges that I had the chance to uh, take a look at. Some uh, stories for the website as well. I think one of the stories is already up on the website if you want to go have a look. It's the one about Tao Game Lodge. It's uh, in Madikwe, 
in the private game reserve known as Madikwe. Gee, I mean, when I say it's at the Botswana border, you know, we always joke about like, you know, if you get to the Botswana border, turn right. This is literally like that. You literally get to the Botswana border and you turn right. And there's a, a, a bit of a dirt road and then you're there. You're at Town Game Lodge. So you've probably worked out. It's about four and a half hours drive uh, with some refreshment stops, depending. I mean, there is some heavy truck activity on that road. It's a really, really fabulous day. I mean, uh, wonderful lodge. Uh, I mean, they've got a nice uh, setup. They've got uh, the sort of canvas tent sort of feel to their public areas. And then they've got newly refurbished accommodation. So they haven't gone completely ridiculous. They haven't pulled the whole place down and rebuilt it. They've done what they would call, I suppose, in hospitality, a soft refurbish. So they've uh, redone actually some of the thatch roof, I must be honest. So that's probably a little bit more than a soft refurb. But they've redone the rooms, the interior, very contemporary, still very sort of that sort of safari African feel, nice bright colors. And you have the most fantastic private view. So all the all the rooms look out onto this watering hole that Tower has, and this watering hole is truly something spectacular. If you've uh, never been there, if you've ever been there, you've got the most wonderful front row seat to some incredible activity. All the animals come down to the watering hole, and I mean, I'm talking about like elephants, but not just like one, not two. 10s, 20s, 30s of them in the water right there. I mean, sometimes you think, I don't even need to go on a game drive. I've got everything here. Crocodiles, warthog, all the antelope, and and, and some. So it depends on uh, what time you get there in the year. But really, really uh, a fantastic spot to, yeah, it's hard to top, let me tell you. I mean, especially when you have lunch as well. Lunch also looks out onto this watering hole and uh, or breakfast. But the game viewing this time was also equally as great. And this is something I always tell people, like don't discount safaris uh, in the winter period because we often want to go there during summer. And if you've ever been up to the Kruger or, or up in that belt, you know, that whole sort of where we border with other countries uh, up north, it is unbelievably hot. I mean, if you go in summer, in some instances, it is almost unbearable. So winter, autumn, spring, great times to go up and do a safari in the uh, in in those areas, and uh, I'd mentioned I think on a previous show. If you missed it, go, go get the uh, the previous podcasts. Uh, there was this fantastic African wild dog hunt where they took down an impala, and oh, let me tell you that was unbelievable to witness that. I mean, if you ever get a chance to watch wild dogs in action, it is truly something remarkable. So especially if you're coming from overseas, if you're traveling to South Africa, make sure you don't discount the wild dog. I reckon that should be part of the the big six. You know, in terms of uh, seeing uh, seeing uh, some real uh, wildlife action, the food at Tao also just absolutely fabulous. Uh, they really have a great kitchen. I know at some point they invested uh, heavily into uh, getting their menus right. They flew in some international chefs, and uh, it hasn't it hasn't uh, weakened. It's it's really a great great food experience. If you're foodies, if you enjoy. Uh, uh, some great meals. Uh, they've got a genuine boma dinner that they also do. Uh, they try and fit in, uh, depending on how how busy it is. And then also they organise this wonderful bush breakfast. I mean, you know, you're driving around on your morning game drive, and suddenly the driver says, "Ah, oh, listen, you know what? We're gonna take a little bit of a turn off here." And you get to this opening, and there is an entire breakfast laid out with a buffet, a, a live cooking station, 
the whole lot. And obviously, all the rangers are there to make sure you don't get uh, taken out by a warthog or a uh, an anteater. So you're fine. You can literally sit there and enjoy your breakfast in peace. They even brought portable uh, toilets along, which was I thought was quite bougie uh, for a uh, breakfast in the bush in the middle of nowhere. But really, they went all out. Tau Game Lodge, go check it out on the website. The photos uh, probably also... Don't quite do it justice, but it really gives you a bit of a feel for it. And then the other great lodge on the complete opposite side of the country, in the Western Cape, just outside of Hermanus, in a town called Stanford, is Mosaic Lagoon Lodge. It's on the Hermanus Lagoon. Uh, Took a drive out there. Very scenic. Very picturesque. Beautiful mountains uh, that sort of fold into a lagoon view and then you have glimpses of waterfalls, depending if there's been a little bit of rain. Truly quite something. And uh, this lodge is also very boutique, very intimate, very private. But it's the kind of place you also want to go to if you don't want to do anything. The time I was there, the weather was misluck, you know, like they say in Afrikaans. So it was a little bit rainy and it it kept sort of going through these cycles of sunshine, rain, wind, back to sunshine, back to rain. So it's not the kind of place where you want to sit outside and and take in the, the fresh air. Well... At that particular time, probably in summer, it's a different story. But it's just you want to just sit inside, and the rooms have the most incredible views. I mean, you look out of your window, and if it is favorable, you can also sit out on your terrace and just take in the views of the lagoon, of the mountains, of the waterfalls. And it is just something where you just switch off, read a book, take a nap, have a drink, and just really uh, enjoy it. But if you are into activities, they do have activities. They've got some uh, some guides. And you can do some kayaking on the lagoon. You can do guided or unguided walks if you prefer. Uh, You can go quad biking. There's beach excursions because the beach isn't far from there. They'll take you down to the beach. And there's also sort of a sunset lagoon drinks vibe that you can also do, which is nice. The rooms are very nice. Um, As I said, with the most sensational views, fully kitted out. There was a bath, a shower. Uh, all the things that you do need. And they fully cater to you. So breakfast, lunch, supper, all taken care of. Really good food, once again. Highly recommended. And also very accommodating. I mean, there were nights where you feel like, oh, I don't feel like a, like a chicken or I don't feel like a salad or I don't feel like this. And the chef, not a problem. What would you like? Let me see what's in the, in the kitchen. Whip something together and uh, one meal better than the next. Really fantastic. And also, when it was this cold, a roaring fire. Really, really wonderful. So if you're looking for something to chill out in Cape Town, Mosaic Lagoon Lodge in Stanford, just outside of Hermanus, or if you're looking for some wildlife and safari, go check out Tower Game Lodge, Medique Private Game Reserve, up there at the Botswana border. And that's something from the travel notes again this week. Follow the Santon Times on social media. At Santon Times. Well, as we all know, our schooling system has been in uh, an ever-changing environment and it's uh, forever challenged. And we've been talking about youth unemployment and we've been talking about all these things over the last couple of weeks. And I always uh, stress the point that I feel that we have an unemployability problem, not necessarily an unemployment problem. Because, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of jobs that are out there, but they need skilled workers. They need people who are thinking in the 2022 zeitgeist. So when I came across the story of a new school opening uh, in Greater Santon that has an e-sport arena and that was taking a whole new 
approach to education. I thought, well, this sounds really interesting. And I thought, well, let me get uh, the CEO and founder of the school on the line, Sean Fuchs. Uh, Sean, tell us a little bit more about Centennial Schools. Alex, thanks for thanks for having us. Um, Centennial Schools, it, it probably, I suppose, was born out of lockdown in that uh, uh, I understood that the world is changing completely. So by nature, I'm a history teacher and um, uh, I always compare 1939, September, to what happened in February of 2020. So in September 1939, the world literally was on the brink of war. And uh, six years later, uh, life changed completely for people globally. And the same thing has happened to us in a much shorter space of time. The biggest challenge was that education had a wonderful opportunity to actually reinvent itself, and it didn't. So we're in the fourth industrial revolution, yet we still have an education system that's geared around the first industrial revolution. And that's what Centennial Schools was about, was about being realistic, about being relevant and authentic for 2022 and beyond. And that's really what we created. So it was completely changing the physical space, uh, getting rid of classrooms, creating learning hubs, creating physical spaces where students could collaborate, could actually use skills that enable them beyond just leaving school. Um, and uh, yeah, it was so changing the physical space and then obviously changing the pedagogy. In other words, the teaching methodology of how we actually teach in class. Well, you've got an extensive school career. You've worked uh, in senior positions for some of the most well-known uh, school brands, certainly in, in Greater Santon. And these are all names that people will know if they do a little bit of homework. So you understand the traditional approach to schooling as it has been, like you say, since the, the first or second or third or whatever industrial revolution we refer to. Uh, we keep talking yeah. about the fourth industrial revolution and it's a, a very popular buzzword with politicians and anyone who has to hold a speech. Yet I don't think many people really understand what it actually means and what it's actually going to take to get us into that next industrial revolution. And it certainly feels like, especially on an education front, that it's a lot of talk, but very little action in terms of actually taking that next step. Valid comments. So here's the thing. When you exit the schooling system, uh, many schools will advertise, we have three distinctions per metric, we have 2.8, we have four, and that's fantastic. But actually, what are you qualified to do? <laughs> yeah. So I can exit the schooling system with seven distinctions. I have absolutely zero qualification to do anything. And I think that has been a concern for me. So not just me, but I mean, this is the, 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 this is a, an issue that's being discussed globally. And Centennial Schools was about creating a space where our students are given skills right from the beginning. So from grade seven, so we run a middle school, grade seven, eight and nine, and then we'll grow into our senior school down the line. Great, next year will be grade 10, 11 and eventually grade 12. And we've looked at how do we make sure that when those students exit in grade 12, that they actually are ready for something that's just greater than tertiary education or having to reinvent themselves in the workplace. So skills like, uh, well, well, first of all, the generation we're teaching is the most digitally literate generation on this planet. Yet the education system is not geared at all around digital literacy. So all our students, for example, use laptops. We work on laptops. 
and that was a buzzword as well when sort of the we went into this advent of uh, of, of sort of the digital age the problem is in a school a typical school environment you have a few people adopting that and the rest will continue to teach how we've been taught for decades uh, right into the last the previous century so all our students work off laptops we're a microsoft school so we use a microsoft suite but beyond that they are given the skills to book the creative hubs when they need it for um, project work or problem-based work or whatever activities they need. They physically book it. So it's the same concept of can you just take the boardroom at work? No, you can't because human resources or marketing might have it. Mm. So you physically need to book that space and then be held accountable for actually managing the time that you're in that space and you can't just not pitch and not use it. Small things like that. All our students are coding. So grade seven, eight, and nine students are coding. We know that students who uh, are coding, their, their ability to hypothesize uh, is far more advanced. Their analytical skills, and they're given the basics on coding, which they can then extend. So they, in their senior school years, can start creating portfolios that are stored online. So that almost becomes their CV and they have that ability to present that if they're applying for a job. So they certified in terms of the ability to code and can apply for jobs out of school. In my mind, I see students in grade 10, grade 11, grade 12, actually having the ability to create online stores, to be able to be selling something, to be able to understand that digital currency is actually where we're going to be going in the future. So our students in grade seven, uh, sorry, grade nine, for example, run a 12 module course with, uh, we've partnered with a group called CoinEd. And they, that 12 module course deals with blockchain, deals with crypto digital currencies, so that the students will complete their understanding of the, the, the hazards, the risks, the what it's about, and combine that with the sort of the, the coding environment. You're exposing students to way more than just a normal curriculum that was designed not around the world we're living in today. Our grade sevens are, in, are doing sound engineering. We partner with an incredible sound technician who's just finished work with Universal Studios. They are busy doing that as part of their content creation. Uh, you talk to uh, this, this current generation, Generation Z, they talk about creators, they talk about influencers. What skills are we giving them to realistically apply that in the real world? And I think that's where we we, 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 we sort of offer that at, uh, at Centennial Schools. And again, I go back to, are we relevant and are we authentic in what we do? Well, I mean, looking at some of the images, and for those people who haven't seen it, maybe just to paint you a bit of a picture, I mean, it's kind of got this very sort of Silicon Valley sort of look with these hubs and these spaces that you can work in. As I mentioned, you've got this eSports arena, which is uh, playing into the entire movement of gaming and how gaming is becoming this new sport of, of multi-million dollar uh, levels in terms of the winnings and some of the teams that get sponsorship. So uh, I see that space playing into that. Then you you do have a space for actual sports and it almost looks a bit like a, a CrossFit slash high interval training sort of space. So not your usual sort of cricket and basketball and uh, and rugby sort of fields. And uh, then you've got a student cafe. I, I mean, I see you, you have uh, sort of a, a strict code of conduct in terms of what people can wear, but they're not going to be wearing uh, uniforms. So it is a very modern and very contemporary approach to what education could be like. Where can people go if they'd want to find out a little bit more about this? 
So obviously, uh, Alex, to our website, to uh, centennialschools.co.za, um, is the easiest way to find us. Uh, Google us, that'll come up um, straight away. We're, we're based in Sunning Hill and make contact with us and we'll set up an individual tour for for each uh, person doing an inquiry. Well, Sean Fox, CEO and founder of Centennial Schools, taking a whole new approach to uh, what education uh, should and could be like. And I uh, thank you for making the time to be on the Santon Times Hour. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. Thank you, Alex. I love your professionalism and thank you for having me on. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. Harry Styles, as it was on Mix 93.8 FM. This is the Santon Times Hour. And gee, that, that tune's really stuck in my head at the moment. But I'm, I'm really loving it there from the Styles, as it was. Hey, don't we think about that often right now? Hey? Not not the way it was before the pandemic, or not the not the way it was before we had uh, lights, electricity, and all those things. Well, next up, I'm thrilled to be joined by a, a very special man. Not just because we are doing our MBA together, which is a whole other conversation, but uh, he's the CEO of Mlindi Security, and he's also a former Springbok player with a massive heart, as massive as he is. Tendai the Beast from Tawarira, he's launched his very own wine label, and he joins me to uh, chat about. This as he's out and about busy launching his wine. And Tendai, how has life been treating you since you've uh, stepped out of the professional rugby space? Yeah, I think uh, it's been uh, quite amazing to have a seamless transition, you know, to my next chapter. I obviously prepared quite well, you know, before I retired. So I've been, you know, up to so many different things, you know, different business ventures. But everything has given me purpose. You know, I've got my foundation, which is also championing, you know, social causes, helping the youth. So there's a great deal of uh, stuff happening in my life currently. Well, you've kicked off your own wine label. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Yes, uh, you know, a lot of people probably didn't know that I'm very passionate about wine. Uh, I'm a latecomer into this whole wine thing. You know, um, I started drinking wine about 10, uh, 12 years back. And uh, it became uh, a bit of an obsession for me because it was love at first taste. You know, I got to taste some of the wine from the Western Cape. And then from there on, you know, I started like collecting wine from uh, France and Argentina. You know, different kind of wines because I love red wine. So Malbec, Bordeaux blend, you know, was always uh, the choices that I would pick. And then, you know, that passion was quite hidden because I've never been always, you know, a big drinker but wine is obviously good for the heart as they say so you would always have a glass of wine after you know a hard day of training or a hard test match so me and my wife always used to share a glass or a bottle so now that i've retired um you know i've been very fortunate to meet um there's amazing partners, you know, from these uh, incredible vineyards and um, uh, in the Western Cape that have decided to avail uh, some wine for the Beast Collection. Tell us a bit more about the collection. It's not just uh, one vertical that you've got uh, going. You have an entire range of, uh, of wines. Yeah, it's a whole range, yeah. So we've got four wines, you know. We've got uh, a red, uh, red wine, uh, which is 
pretty special, uh, Cab Sev, Cabernet Sauvignon, and uh, it tastes uh, delicious, and we've got a white wine, a Sauvignon Blanc, uh, and uh, you know, I, I got to handpick these wines, and I got to do a, a little bit of a, a, a wine tour, tasting tour, so this whole process took about six months, and we've got a rosé as well, you know, we've got some bubbles, so you know, the estates that are involved um, in this venture uh, is uh, Cape Point Vineyards, it's Ara uh, Vineyards, uh, Anguilla Cove, uh, Laguna State, and then the last one, which is Holden Mans, which is in France Rook. So they've all, you know, um, uh, decided to come along the journey. And uh, yeah, I went to go see all these individual wine estates in person. I got to taste the wine. And, um, you know, it was just uh, very fortunate that when I started this wine, there just happened to be a lot of wine accessible because obviously because of the COVID, you know, COVID-19, there was a lot, um, you know, to do with the restrictions of people not being able to export wine. So a lot of the wine was available to to, to the beast, you know, so we kind of made it possible to come up with this collection. Now we're at a stage we're ready to go to market. We're still finalizing a few things, but it's been an amazing journey to, to work with this, uh, you know, different partners. You've hinted at your favorite uh, being red wine. Uh, is there any other wine that comes in a close second? Definitely the rosé, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, they say it's pink, but you know, the way I look at it, real men wear pink and they also drink pink drinks. So, you know, I love my rosé. Um, I think it's delicious, you know, it's fruity. Uh, and uh, I remember, uh, you know, doing the wine tasting. And, you know, I could just not shake it off. You know, I tasted the other wines, but I go, you know, I go back to the rosé, you know, like I was happy with it and confident in it. And I, I, I hope people kind of see uh, 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 an extension of who I am through the wine. Well, Tadai, you mentioned you are in the process of finalizing your distribution for this uh, new range. Can people purchase any of the wines already? Yeah, so uh, that uh, question uh, is a good question. <laughs> so we're going to be uh, you know, providing that information within the next couple of days. We're just finalizing some distribution partners, uh, retailers. So we're going to you know, avail that information to the public ASAP because now obviously we, we're entertaining you know, private um, uh, private orders, you know, where people are reaching out to myself and my partners where they want to order bottles. We've had uh, a lot of people, especially from the diaspora, you know, from Europe, from USA, ordering uh, a lot of bottles. So we're going to provide that information to the to the public, you know, in South Africa where you can get these wines. Obviously, you can get them from the East States. They'll be available, you know, Cape Point Vineyards, Benguela Cove, Ara, Wine Estate, and Waterman. So you can buy the wines there. But we're going to obviously look at an expansion to get to everybody that's, uh, you know, big wine lovers. There you have it, CEO of Mlindi Security and former Springbok player Tendai the Beast, Mtawarira. And that's it for another Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM, as always available as a podcast on Apple, Google and Spotify. You can email us, editor at santontimes.co.za or on social media, connect at Santon Times and visit the website, www.santontimes.co.za. Feel free to send through your questions or comments or uh, feedback. Always a welcome. Thank you to all the guests uh, for this week who've made the time to chat to us. And uh, grazie to the man behind the sound desk, Vincenzo. Uh, la prossima settimana. Next week. And uh, you chose some great tracks this week, by the way. Nice one. And thank you to the Saturn Times team as well as everyone at Mix 93.8 FM. You don't even understand. 
the kind of team it takes to put this together and to make this happen every week. But we love doing it because we're doing it for you. Those who listen, those who tune in, the Mix 93.8 FM family and the Santon Times Hour Nation. Yes. But right now, let me thank you for listening and let's connect again next week. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Santon Times Hour. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to share it. 